Hi, this is Jason Faisal, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. So grateful that you stopped by our weekly teaching podcast. This is our third week of looking at the book of Philippians. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day. It's, it's weird. Um, there's those memes going around with Forrest Gump looking at the screen and it says, all of a sudden, my pastor became a televangelist. And this is a strange, strange thing. Um, learning to produce a Sunday morning experience uh, behind the computer, making things work, having the internet work, calling Larry every other day to say the internet's broken, come fix it. it this, is, this is incredible. And uh, you, what you can't see is the, uh, how many people are we allowed to have in the building at the same time? Ten? What you can't see is the seven of us frantically working to try to make sure everything works. And when it breaks, uh, which it did, it broke. Uh, about 25 minutes before we were supposed to start, and it, Flint uh, is helping me and trying to get it going, and Flint leans over and goes, it's really cool when everything works, and it, it is really cool. So uh, he has risen. He has risen indeed. Why don't you throw that in the chat again? I can see the chat up on the big screen. We have it up there. It's fun to interact in the, in the chat. This is a new church experience. I know at our church, at Casper Alliance Church, we get excited about people talking during the service. We actually talk to one another while I'm talking. So it's not abnormal for us to communicate back and forth in the sanctuary. So this is a bizarre thing for me to speak to all, an almost empty room and have nobody talk to. And actually, the people who are here are the polite ones who don't talk back to me typically. So it's, it's strange. So you can talk and chat. It's a great way to experience, uh, I think, online church. And so um, we are going to have a few more weeks of this, I imagine, of online church. I'm not sure when we're going to be done. And, and this, who would have thunk it that we would be celebrating Easter 2020 like this? We have all these traditions and all these things that we do, and, and uh, we dress up, and we put in one person dressed up this morning. Hannah, thanks for wearing a dress today. The rest of us, I mean, you, did, you took your pajamas off and put on regular pants. Same with me. I'm not wearing sweatpants today, so I guess technically in this age, I'm dressed up. But it, it is so hard to, like, have all of these things that we are used to on, on Easter morning and, and coming to the church building and having breakfast together and, and having all of our kids run around and having the, the girls in their new dress. And it, it's just, and, and you get to do that at home. You get to do that with, with the, your family. And that should be just as special to be united with your family this morning, sitting around, watching, and participating in online church and the experience. I'm going to say it again, and we're going to pause again and pray for all the churches out there. But there are more people watching church this morning than attended Easter services last year. God is on the move in this season. Even though we're, we feel like we're all distant and separated, there are people logging in, watching church all across the world this morning. And so we're going to pray for that right now. Father in heaven, in, in, in Casper specifically, we pray that somebody sitting in their living room or sitting um, in the kitchen watching uh, church unfold on their screen, Lord, I pray that they encounter you in a dynamic, radical way to where they hear the message of Jesus this morning in a way that they've never heard that penetrates their heart, soul, and mind so that they encounter you and submit their life and way to you and are saved. Lord, I, I pray that all the preachers that are standing behind their lectern in their kitchens or in their, in their church buildings like we are today, talking to a, a fairly empty room or talking just to a screen, are speaking with boldness and passion and excitement about the victory that comes through you. So, Lord, I, I pray, and as, as your unfolding happens online, 
or the, the message, the gospel, the good news is like a wave rushing over this country and other countries and all the places of the earth to where people are hearing the good news regularly this morning and and this and going forward, Lord, the church is online and it can't be stopped. And so, Lord, thank you. Make that happen today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought about doing an Easter-specific uh, message, and then I looked at our text. We're working through the book of Philippians as a church, and so this is the third week in the book of Philippians, and I decided instead of going back through the Gospels and reading the Easter story, we're going we're gonna to continue to work through Philippians. And so this morning we're in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 22, and from that I think that we get the Easter message. We get a, a, a typical Easter story um, uh, of redemption, of salvation, of victory, um, of deliverance. And so let me read these verses to you. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 to 22. Hopefully you have your Bibles with you. If not, you can use your phone. Um, I'm going to give you a second to get there. That was requested of me, and I'm going to honor that to give people some time at home as they're flipping through. Uh, and so we love that you participate with us at home and looking through the scriptures. So let's read these together, verses 18 through 22. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Philippi. What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance, as it, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that will, with full courage, now as always, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Father, hear, uh, hear your words today and, and use them. Um, Lord, make me a vessel for what you want to accomplish through this uh, small teaching time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have four blanks to fill in today, four blanks to crank. That's it. This is going to be, um, I think, one of my shorter talks because um, it's so obvious what Paul is trying to get accomplished here. And I don't need to dive into it and drill down any further. And there's one phrase that he says is, is that through Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That through the Spirit of Christ, I will be delivered. Now, Paul was specifically talking about being in prison. He was in prison, and he was trying to encourage the church of Philippi to tell them that even though, in, in spite of his being in prison, the gospel message, the good news, was going to advance. And in fact, we talked about last week, the gospel has been advancing, and God has used his imprisonment to make that happen. But the core message here, and this is uh, what Paul is saying, because of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I will be delivered. And he goes in to talk about what that deliverance could look like. But at the end of the day, because of Jesus, we are delivered. Because of the work of the cross, the things that we talked about on Monday, Thursday, and on, on Good Friday, because of all of that work that happened, when Jesus came to earth, took our sins, bore our sins, he demonstrated how to live, he went to the cross and died a sinner's death for us. And this morning when we celebrate, when we say he is risen, and we all respond, he is risen indeed, that's the victory over that punishment, that the punishment that we were supposed to take, 
the, 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 the pain and the sorrow and the separation from God that we were supposed to have. Jesus took it on his head, on his back, on his hands, on his feet, and was put to death on our behalf so that we could be delivered. Delivered into life. Delivered into victory. Delivered from our sin. Delivered from our punishment. Delivered from separation from God. We are delivered. And so when Paul says this, in verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Yes, he was talking about re- being removed from prison, whether through death in prison or actually being released. But the, the deep seed there is that because of Jesus Christ, we are delivered. And only through Jesus Christ are we delivered. We can't work our way out of deliverance. We can't release ourselves from our prison. We can't take ourselves from captivity. We can't unlock the chains that hold us down. It is only by, the, by Jesus Christ and his work that we are freed and delivered. And, and they do, catch the illustration here. Catch the connection, the bondage, the imprisonment, the, the jail that Paul was living in that he was captured in, is the same bondage, jail, prison that we live in when we're stuck in sin and we haven't received Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's the same type of prison. Does it mean that God stopped working? No, God is actively working and he's pursuing us regularly, trying to draw us into deep relationship, trying to encourage us and, and draw us out of our own condemnation. And he's saying, I have provided a way, I have provided the truth, I have provided the life through my son Jesus, that you can be delivered from your prison. And this is how Paul starts this thing. To live in Christ, is what most of your subheadings would say, subtitles would say in your scriptures. To live is Christ, meaning that when I'm free and when I'm broken out of jail, when I don't have my shackles on, I am alive in Jesus Christ, and it is only by him that I have that life. And that's why when on Easter morning we get together and we go, he has risen, and the church yells back, he has risen indeed, because we are proclaiming we have life in Christ. So one of your blanks to crank is this. Through Christ, this will turn out for our for my, our deliverance. Can you claim that promise today? Have you been delivered? I know some of us sit and wallow in our sin and our suffering. We have things that we uh, can't get over, that we are struggling with, that we are drawn into, that, that cause us uh, pain and suffering, and, and do you feel like a prison? I promise you that Jesus came to deliver, to set the captives free. And that's what Easter is about. That's why we celebrate it. That's what Paul is talking about here. I'm a captive, and he's set me free. What else does this deliverance provide? Verse 20 says this, As it is my eager expectation and hope, through Christ this will turn out for our, my, our expectation. When you've been released from prison, See, put yourself, again, put yourself in the shoes of Paul. He's trying to lead this church, trying to help this church, trying to encourage this church, and he's stuck in jail. Does it limit his expectations of what God is going to do through the good news of Jesus? No. He told us before that the gospel is going to advance regardless of my situation. Our expectations accelerate and grow as we've been released and delivered from sin. So through the work of Christ, our expectations increase of what he's going to do. That's why we can pray boldly on Sunday mornings together as a church family that Jesus will encounter somebody in Casper 
and reach them for the good news of Jesus. We have an expectation that the gospel is going to reach many, many people. Whether it's through our church experience here at Casper Alliance Church or the church next door or Boyd right across the street, the gospel is going to be met by people because we have an expectation that it will happen. And that only comes when we encounter the living Christ. What else? He says our expectations are changed. Our expectations grow. Our expectations, uh, they become eager. Use that word eager. When I was a, um, when we were kids, like most kids, and I think even my kids today, even though we almost didn't pull it off because of social distancing, our kids get Easter baskets. Easter baskets this day. I'm not sure, boys, if you've opened your Easter basket, but they have manly things in it like beef jerky now, not candy, not as much candy. But on Easter morning, uh, my mom, and I, mom, I know you're watching, dad, I know you're watching, we would have Easter baskets. And we had this expectation that there was an Easter basket filled with something. And it didn't really matter what it was. It was just that somebody thought to give us an Easter basket. Mom, dad, they're like, let's give our kids an Easter basket. Let's give them something. But so I'm not going to get into the theology of Easter baskets, but I woke up on Easter morning with an expectation that God was going to give me an Easter basket through my parents. And sure, I was going to wear a dress clothes to church because I got that Easter basket. It was a quid pro quo, I think, with my folks. But the Easter baskets were the, are these things that kids expect. But what do you, I mean, we have all these expectations. But as Jesus impacts our life, as we are delivered out, our expectations grow. They are increased. And they actually become in line, aligned with Jesus' expectations for your life. Think about now what you expect out of your day that's different. Like, some day, like Sundays, I just expect to be able to take a nap this afternoon. That's some low-hanging fruit for me. If I can just get a little rest, take my shoes off, put my feet up, maybe watch some live sports, not anymore, but that's like a Sunday afternoon expectation. So Jesus does, through Christ, turns our expectations. What else does Paul say here will happen through Christ? Eager expectation and hope. I think one of the currencies that the church has is hope. I've talked about it a lot with our church family. Casper Alliance Church, we need to be dispensers of hope. We talk about that a lot, that we have this thing. Actually, hope is part of our vision statement, mission statement here. Through hope in Jesus Christ is at the end. We um, are big believers in the currency of hope, that we get to talk about hope. Well, it's not because we made it up or because we're going to like create it within ourselves. We're taught through the scriptures that we can have hope in Jesus Christ. And that from a relationship with Jesus, it produces hope in us. Hope for all sorts of things. So right now on Easter, we're celebrating hope that we have victory over death. Because of Jesus, we have life, and that gives us hope. What other ways can we dispense hope now? There's a, this is the season to dispense hope. We are living in a new era where we can dispense hope in amazing ways. Making masks, giving food. Hope is a powerful tool that God uses to, for his people. Verse 20, I'll read it again. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death key verse of this section that we all know is for, to me, verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
this last blank. Now, I've cranked three blanks for you. Through Christ, this will turn out for our, my, our deliverance, my, our expectations, my, our hope. The last one is boldness. I think more than anything else, what Paul was trying to teach this church is that you need to be bold. I'm bold. I'm in prison. You are free, and you need to be bold. What is, what is uh, the Spirit of Christ doing to us right now in our boldness? Are you given opportunities right now today to talk about what God has done through your soul? Are you able to tell the story that how Jesus has impacted your life? Can you do it with boldness and excitement? And I think as we encounter and are delivered and our expectations increase and our hope abounds in us, it creates this weird, awkward, aggressive boldness that the Christian has. Because all of the work was done, we have this freedom to be courageous and bold with the good news of Jesus. So we can echo like Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because I have victory over death. I've been delivered from my prison. And I expect God to do a mighty thing through my hands, through my voice, through my work. And I hope that he will accomplish his purposes through me and my actions. And by God, I will be bold in doing it. And that is the message of Easter. That this work that Jesus did on the cross wasn't so that we could sit and wait to die. It was so that we were delivered. It was so that our expectations would grow mightily. It was so that hope would abound in us and that we would talk with courageous boldness about the good work of Jesus Christ. And that's what God is stirring up in us as we encounter Jesus. I told you it would be short today. But I pray that for you as you're sitting watching, that you will feel delivered by the work of Jesus, that you will encounter him, that you will take the time, the moment, and and as you hear this, listen online. I, I dare, I walk up to the camera, I want to, and shake it a little bit and say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. He is the only one that can rescue you. There is no other name under the the moon, the sun, that can save you other than Jesus. You need to be delivered from your sin, from your sorrow, from your shame, from your guilt, from all the things that are holding you back, from living with hope, expectation, and boldness, to living in a way that Christ is empowering you, not you empowering you because you run out of energy and you run out of skill and you run out of everything and you get tired. I get tired. But when I'm empowered by Christ, I get to live through him. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I pray that sitting at home, the Spirit of God is working on you and saying, yes, come to me. Come to me. I will give you life, and I'll give it to you abundantly. Father in heaven, what an Easter morning. Lord, I pray that around the world again and in homes and in living rooms that that parents are having conversations with their children about you, the living Christ, having victory over death, teaching them what it means to commit your ways, to trust in Jesus, to ask for forgiveness of sin, to be saved. Lord, I pray that as a result of of the work of the church today, 
that many people will be delivered from sin and condemnation and will encounter you, the living Christ. Lord, fill us up with hope, expectation, and boldness. Make us a people that cry out to you to be used, to be a vessel, to be your missionaries, to be your people, to take your message to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you. We worship you. In the saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. Amen. We're going to go into one last song, and we're going to close up the service, but I'm going to say this as emphatically as I can. This is your opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. Will you surrender your sin? Will you surrender your shame? Will you surrender all of that and accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that he gave to you on the cross? Will you commit your way, your life, and all that you have and make him the Lord of your life? And be able to say, amen, he lives.